Hey, thanks, guys. Don't you love the whistle? It's like, just wanted to start whistling down there. Thanks a lot. Okay, now is the time. Grab your yellow cards. You didn't know that uh, part of the test this morning was to see how well you could write in the dark. But um, hopefully you managed to write your questions down. So if, if not, you can have a few seconds here. I'll have the ushers mill around for a bit. Pass them to the center aisles, one of the three center aisles, I guess. And the ushers will come down and collect them. While they're doing that, I've got a few things that I'd like um, for all of us, please, to remember to keep in mind this morning. Four disclaimers, you might say. First... If you are visiting this morning, this isn't what we usually do Sunday morning, okay? And it may be the last time we ever do it. Um, Usually there'll be a biblically-based message, um, perhaps something that you're more used to in a church. But once in a while here at West Bowles, uh, we do something out of the box, don't we, guys and gals? And uh, this morning we're doing something a little bit out of the box. Uh, I know it's out of the box for me, and uh, maybe for you all too. We're at, the, at a fourth week in a four-week series called You Asked For It. In those first three weeks, we talked about worry, wonder, and wishing. We asked for your questions, and I gave you three messages based on your responses to those questions. What do you worry about? What do you wonder about? And what do you wish was different? Thank you, Ed. But for this last week, I thought, Why don't we do some real questions? And so we're going to do it live, sort of. I mean, I'll randomly draw those questions from this basket in a second. But um, second, (laughs) you'll notice notice in your bulletins that uh, today's scripture is not 1 Kings 10.3. It's not 1 Kings 10.3, which says, Solomon answered all of her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. Okay, two obvious things. I'm not Solomon, and I'm not even a king, and um, I'll be surprised if there aren't questions, if not all of them, that I can't fully explain, but I'll give it a shot. You'll also know that Mark 12, 34 is not this morning's scripture. Mark 12, 34 is where Jesus has such an amazing answer that Mark tells us, and from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm quite sure I'll fall short of that mark, too. Ha <laughs> ha. Instead, instead I chose Luke 2, 46 for our scripture this morning. That's where we read how Joseph and Mary lost track of Jesus, right? And can you imagine? You know, they lost him for three days. Can you imagine that? You know, oh my goodness, what did we do with the Son of God? (laughs) I thought you had him. I thought you had him. (laughs) But we read, they finally found him. Luke 2, 46 says, thank you. After three days... They found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And so this morning in God's temple, and not this building by a long shot, but in God's temple, all of us in Christ where the Spirit now dwells, his temple, you get a chance to be Jesus and ask questions and 
I get a chance to be a teacher and do my best to answer them, and I'll do my best. All of which is to say, please remember, I'm just one person, and I'll give you one man's opinion. Uh, you're free to disagree. If you should disagree, there's the door. But <laughs> just kidding. Um, third, John Burns is giving me a time limit for each answer to help keep me on task. It's like he knows me or something. And, oh, guy, there's applause even for that. <laughs> he suggested two minutes per question. I pushed him to three. And so there's three minutes for me to answer. And we'll even put a timer up on the screen. So if you're bored with a particular answer, you can watch the screen and the timer. That's always kind of fun. If it reaches zero, a little bell goes off, and I have to finish my thought wherever I am and move on. So help me God. The, uh, the over-under on how many times that bell would go off currently amongst the staff is at four times. Okay, who wants the over? You know, you know I think I beat the over in the 8 o'clock service. Did it go off three times, John? Yeah, three times. So yeah, we'll see. Um, so let's see, we got three minutes of question. Uh, that gives us roughly time for 30 questions, so we better get started. <laughs> hey, all kidding aside, um, all kidding aside, let me share what's been most on my heart this week. It's ironic because um, leading up to this week, I, I felt worry. <laughs> and um, with only three minutes to prep, and if I'm trying to make some haste, the chances are that I won't, um, I won't fully answer your question, and the chances that I'll say something in my haste that will confuse you, um, confound you, or downright make you mad, uh, those chances might be a little bit higher. Um, so uh, before we get started, I need to ask you to promise me something. If I misspeak or if I say something that confuses, confounds, or even makes you downright angry, I'd like for you to promise to follow up with me, either after the service, if that's too public or you want some time to think about it, please, by email, stop by. Please, please, would you promise, if that happens, to follow up with me and give me a chance to explain? And then we can dialogue, which would be better anyway. I'm a little jealous of the Luke 2:46 where there was back and forth, and maybe we can do that sometime too, but we'll just get our toe wet <laughs> this morning. Um, finally, if you see me pass on a question, it's because for whatever reason I don't think I can answer it at all well in three minutes. It's too big, too general. I, or I might look at the question and think, man, I'm planning on doing that in a series maybe next spring, or it might make for a better sermon, and so I'll put it aside for that day. And by the way, that's what I'm doing with all your questions and the uh, worry, wonder, wish, and that you've brought today. I'll keep them all, and uh, I'll do my best to answer each and every one, sometime at least down the road in some context. All right. Have I stalled long enough? Um, before we start, however, uh, let's pray. No, ser seriously. I'm not trying to stall some more. My... Um, my sermon prep th uh, this week has been different, um, about 95% just praying, because I didn't know what to expect this morning, and um, I 
be grateful if you'd just join me, please, just in brief prayer. Father in heaven, you know uh, who you brought here today. You know and are in the randomness of what question comes up. I'd ask, Father, for you to keep your promise and have whatever it is you want addressed here this morning addressed. And Father, please, use me. Help me to get out of the way. Help me to hear the voice of your Spirit whispering. And God, keep that promise too, the promise of your Son that uh, when it's time and when words are needed that the power of the Holy Spirit will whisper and give them to us. I ask for that this morning. Father, we love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Amen. First question, are you ready? Wow, there's a lot of questions in here. Why is mankind so unkind to each other? Yeah, good question. Why is mankind so unkind to each other? In a word, sin. We weren't made to be unkind to each other. God made us with the purpose in the image in each of us to love. To love Him and to love each other perfectly. And to do it of our own free will. He didn't program that into us. However strong the image of God is, He didn't make or force that happened. He gives, gives us a choice. The devil saw an opening in that choice. And he saw, I'm going to press there with Adam and Eve. The choice, the loophole in the devil's eyes that God made. I'm going to ruin the beauty of a magnificent God who nevertheless gives us a choice, and I'm going to press them there. And so he came and he tempted them. I know God said, don't eat. What do you think? And Eve was like, and Adam with her, I think we should eat. Well, then do it. Be your own God. You get to decide. And Adam and Eve and all of us by association in their place, doctrine of original sin, I know I can't hit that one in 115. (laughs) We would have done the same and do the same each and every day. So help us God not to. And as soon as mankind made that choice to be their own God and do it their own way, God, true to form, said, okay, I will honor your choice. I'm right here if you need me, but, and I'll come running when you do. You want to do this gardening thing on your own? Okay. And mankind, humankind is not God. Not by a long shot. And with the devil continuing to push those buttons and to push us to choosing our own way, we make choices sometimes not to love, not to love God and not to love others. That's one way, I think, at least to answer 
why it is that people are unkind to each other. Okay, I beat the bell. One, nothing, right? Yeah, okay. What are your three biggest concerns or three biggest hopes for West Bowles Community Church? Wow, good questions this morning. I've got more than three. You know, my greatest hope, and I use that uh, with our definition of hope, I expectantly anticipate it through the power of the Spirit here, is that we evermore become more and more and more a witness of God because of who we are and how we live our eyes and lives and how we help a witness of his love to the world, period. That's probably my greatest hope for West Bull's church. I'd, um, when I think of the other things, they sort of feed uh, that hope. So um, I'd like to see us get out of debt. Uh, not just because I want to be out of debt, but um, I look at how God could use that bit of might that goes out in a check every month to a lender to better enable us to love more people. Um, what goes along with that is, you know, I look around the room this morning and uh, I see lots of red uh, chairs. And, um, you know, honestly, that breaks my heart. Not because I'm into numbers. I'm not. But I know there are at least, what, a hundred people per chair in this greater uh, community area that don't yet have a church home? That's probably low. What's your staff, what's your leadership, what I hope you're joining us in praying in is how can we how can we become an inviting, loving place where they'd want to come and encounter God? How can we do that? I've asked uh, on occasion, and I'll keep asking. It's one of the first questions that I heard Pastor George uh, preach on six years ago. I'll never forget it, George. Wow. <laughs> no, after wow. Yeah. yeah. You know, he would close his sermon, he closed his message, and the sincerity in his voice just moved me. He said, hey, I hope you come again and bring a friend. Not because we're in the numbers, but into numbers, but we have a lot to share here. And someone sitting in that red seat we could share with. Okay, I'm going to let the bell ring on this one because I want one closing thought. Woo! So you all wanted to hear it anyway, right? I don't want to admonish you. I want to extol you. So take this for what it's worth. I've asked a number of times for people to truly invite someone to come here. How many of you have, in fact, done that consistently? 
You don't have to raise your hand. Just answer that question. It's an easy one to think, well, someone else will do it. See, and here's the thing. The number one reason why a person would be sitting in one of these empty red chairs, statistically they've proven it, it's somewhere over 8 out of 10 people. The number one reason they'll come is they're invited. And then the statistic is 2%, I think, of church-going Christians in a given year ever invite anyone who doesn't yet go to church. Wow. I would hope that number's higher at West Bowles. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Um, Hey, praise God. Do you think there are moral issues related to voting so it really matters which party you go with? Next question. Oh, hi. I think each party has moral issues that are strengths and weaknesses. I appreciate, at least in its foundation, the great care for the poor and those who don't have and wanting to get them help that is the base, at least ideally, in the Democratic Party. I appreciate and find myself siding more with the Republican Party when it comes to things like foreign affairs, things like abortion, which is so ironic to me that the Democratic Party, if truly their heart is for the helpless, (laughs) how they don't go that way. Uh, on that issue. Last, I'll say this. Paul's very clear in Romans. God is responsible for who it is that leads the nations of the world. And he admonished and he encouraged, uh, outright commanded with the force of God in Romans that believers support, respect, and listen to even Caesar short of renouncing your own faith, which costs many of their lives. And I think that model is here too. I hope you pray for our president, whether it was George Bush, whether it's now Barack Obama and whoever comes next year, pray for them. Yeah. That's what um, I think, at least. All right. (laughs) Yeah, I'm waiting for one of you. Boo! 
I told you guys not to play Bible trivia. Who is Noah's wife? No, I think, no, I, I, it's not Mrs. Noah. I, it's, um, I think the correct answer is Joan of Arc is the right one. That was my question, just to break it up a little. Someone actually asked that at 8 o'clock, so I'm just paying it forward. Boy, here's a big question. Why are we here in the greater sense? Great question. Boy, so many ways I can answer it, but the bumper sticker answer is over my head every Sunday morning. This is why we're here. That's our mission. With the hope that through our love of God, with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our might, and especially because the second is like it, through our love of others, the world will come to know that there is a God who is desperately in love with them and wants them for his very own. That's our mission. Throughout history and even today, there have been good people in the world who have never heard of Christ. Is it possible that Jesus has reached them in spite of no direct contact with the church or the people of God? Yes. <laughs> Just, yeah. It is. And I wouldn't say not only is it possible... Our God is just and He is fair. And there are different theories you can look at in terms of people who aren't reached or what about before the cross, before the Bible. What about all of that? What about people who, like Osama bin Laden, grew up in a culture where he couldn't help because of the nature or because of the nurture around him believe what he believed? How is that fair? compared to you or me, if, if you're like me, who grew up in a Christian family and by the grace of God couldn't help but be faced with God's offer and God's love every day. How is that fair? And the answer is I have complete faith and confidence that God, somehow it will be fair. Okay, I'll leave that one there. 11 o'clock, one more. Man! This is you guys saying, let's do this all the time, because then he'll get out on time, right? No, is this fun? You like, you, yeah. all right. Um, same question. If the only way to the Father is through the Son, what about all of those who have never received this message, but have really good hearts? God will give them an opportunity too that is every bit as fair as any one of us has received, I believe. Somehow, some way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
In Genesis, you all know the question now, don't you? It says the world was created in seven days. How do you explain with time how long were the days? I'll give you the most honest answer. Okay, how long were the days? My most honest answer, as God is my witness, is I don't know. I don't. And those of you who have looked at that issue understand that there's wide disagreement on it. I do believe this. Whether the days were literal 24-hour days or whether the days were figurative. Either way, the Bible's true. Amen? Okay, one more. Oh, man. Here's an example of going one question too far. <laughs> I should have known. Why doesn't God provide a better manual for a healthy sex life in Scripture? <laughs> Sorry, but those ancient images in the Song of Solomon don't really cut it. I would love to answer that question, but no. <laughs> First off, the Bible is full of amazing advice on what it takes to have a healthy sex life as a Christian. It is full of guidance on what it means to relate well to each other in a godly way. And when that's right, your sex life, which grows out of that as a Christian, will be right. Amen? Bible's clear. One man, one woman in a monogamous married relationship. When we follow that recipe together with all of its other wrestles and struggles, so help us God with relational health, your sex life will be on fire, ladies and gentlemen. Second... Not for you guys until you're married. <laughs> See, I was going to say I'd, a I'd answer this question more fully, but I only talk about sex from the pulpit once a year, and that was last week. <laughs> but I, I want to expound on something briefly, and then I'll let you go. We'll end with this one, so help us God. I meant what I said last week, that sex is truly one of the most amazing gifts that God gives us. It really is. You know, he made it such an intimate, enjoyable experience. He could have had, you know, we could have reproduced ourselves like Gumby and just split in half, you know. <laughs> he makes it this intensely enjoyable experience. It's a blessing. The problem is, when God gives the blessing, together with the blessing, what makes it a blessing is we use it as intended. When we don't, when we use an intended blessing as God didn't intend, we make it 
into a curse. God didn't curse Adam and Eve. You look it up. They turned it into a curse, and he came in loving provision with clothes and warned them of what the consequences would be. Food is a wonderful blessing. You can turn it into a curse. Overeating, undereating, making it a control issue, the devil pushes there. Sex is a wonderful blessing. We turn it into a curse when we start having sex outside of marriage, outside of that holy bond, not two-way bond, but three-way bond with God, one man, and one woman. Then it's that blessing. Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, thanks for the fun this morning. I ask, Father, that um, I know there was someone here. I believe you had someone here that needed to hear some of that at least. And, Father, for anything that needs to be followed up on, please continue to open and build those avenues of communication between young and old, between church and church leaders, make this a safe place where we can talk about anything openly and honestly before you. Since we're all in that same struggle, as Pastor George likes to say, we're, we're all only beggars who have found bread, and we're trying to share it with others and with each other too. Break us down so through us you can help build us up. I ask this in Jesus' amazing name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand, please, for the benediction? Stand, please. This um, is a well-known blessing. I, many of you have heard it before. I think many of you would be surprised to hear that it comes from numbers. It's the priest. Were you waving to me, Jan? Pay attention. I'm trying to give the blessing. Okay. And it goes like this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you His peace, His shalom. In the name of the Messiah, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a great week, West Bowles. We'll see you next week. We have a guest next, next week. It's the Apostle Paul. He's coming. You won't want to miss him.